God is good. God is good. We are actually, for the rest of the 11 o'clock services in June, going to take a break from the gravel road. There's a, I've just felt more led of of preaching towards salvation and different things like that in our services and just um, there's a great uh, set of lessons that came with our summer uh, curriculum this this month and I thought man just looks just feel like it's going to really help us as we're ministering to other people that are coming and that are in our lives and uh, we'll pick that gravel road back up may do some some of those lessons on Wednesday night but we'll definitely start back on those in July um, but we're going to finish these these next four weeks in June with these uh, lessons. Uh, the series is is titled "Loving the Unloved," and uh, well, we can all identify with that at one point uh, where we've felt like that. But we're thankful Jesus loves us anyway. And so, if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Mark chapter ten, if not, you can just follow along on the screens. Mark chapter ten. And we'll start with verse 13. We read this a lot during our baby dedications. It says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought him, that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. And so today in this series, Loving the Unloved, the title of this lesson is Looking for the Overlooked. Looking for the Overlooked. Let's pray together for the lesson. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us, for caring about us, Lord, oh, for loving us so much like you do. God, we just ask you to help us today to learn from your word, learn from the way you treated others. God, that we could begin to look for the, those that have been overlooked in this world today. God, we're going to praise you for this lesson, for these words. We believe it's going to make us better, better for you, the kingdom and ready for heaven. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give him another hand clap of praise before you're seated. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord, thankful for his word, thankful to be among God's people this morning. You can be seated. The lesson idea that we want to try to get today is that uh, I will bless and serve those others uh, that those that others overlook. Um, nobody wants to be overlooked. There's, uh, as kids, uh, maybe you remember, and uh, we would get out for recess, and especially in elementary school, maybe you'd get out for recess, or even during the summer, if you was hooking up with your gang around the neighborhood like we did, um, get together to play baseball or wiffle ball or kickball or something, or just different things, football. And so you'd choose captains, and then people start picking. And you didn't want to be that last person you didn't want you because that was the worst I mean if you're they picked everybody else even the, the the little girl from the neighborhood and you're 
still standing there. You know, it's like, I guess, and it's almost like, I guess, all right, come on. They don't even say they pick you. It's like, you're left. I, I, I ain't got no choice. I come on. And so, and, uh, and it's always wonderful when that underdog, that one that they overlooked, scores the winning touchdown or hits the home run or does something outstanding, you know. Uh, you didn't realize, wow, I didn't know you could do that. You know, it's where oftentimes we judge a book by its cover and realize, wow, they, they really had something going on there, you know. Um, I remember at camp one year, I was camp principal during teen camp, and they wanted me to coach one of the softball teams. And so uh, they, the guys were, um, they had, the, well, the young kids, they had to pick one of the staff to be on their team. So I, you know, there's all these young guys, about 19 and 20 and all, and they're all, you know, pumped up and standing out there. And them little kids, I want him, I want him, I want brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so. And Well, I, we've got Pastor Walden. And it's like, and I was just thinking, man, y'all don't even know what's about to happen. <laughs> and so, you know, but they're all like, oh. You know, almost like they pick, we love you, Brother Walden. Oh, come on. And, you know, so walk up there first time up the bat and go get that one. <laughs> oh, they was like, whoa, we got Pastor Walden. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. See what happens when you don't, you know, you get those others overlook. You see, see some things happening. I was watching all them young boys popping up and striking out. And, you know, it was like, Y'all don't know what's about to happen in this place. But, we, you know, what we want to do is learn from just like this lesson about these children that uh, children are often overlooked. But God, he loves to bless those that other people overlook. I mean, he came to the, to the you know, really to the wretch of society when he was here. He said, I, I, I don't know, come to those that are whole. They don't need a physician. I'm going to those that are sick, and so he did eat with publicans and sinners, and uh, he dealt with you know lepers and the others that had been cast out, and uh, those that nobody wanted anything to do with. He he went to those, and um, there's many people in Scripture that you feel like, man, they were overlooked, they, and they probably felt overlooked, but God was still doing something in their life. You know, you think about uh, Joseph. You think about uh, him just, I want you to picture Joseph and think about it's just before the king is about to call for him to interpret his dream. That He's probably sitting in prison and he is looking back on his life and he's wondering, how did I get here? I felt like I heard from God when I was a child. I, I had, I believed in God. My father taught me about him and I believed in the God of my fathers and, you know, and I believed these dreams that I had were from God. But now after the dreams, he thinks back to that day where his brothers knocked him down, tied him up and threw him off in a pit and left him there. And then a little while later come and pull him out of this pit and sell him off uh, into slavery uh, with this caravan and just send him off so he's no longer there. And uh, so Joseph has trauma, past trauma, things that 
probably woke him up at night that, that's, you know, that triggered him and bothered him and he had to get past. And then, uh, but then he finally, he's, he's in this place and he's working, he's doing his best. God's blessing things that are under his hand and he's working for Potiphar. But then Potiphar's old lying wife, you know, comes in and just flips his world upside down. And now he finds himself unjustly accused and thrown into prison. And there he is. And, you know, so now a life that seemed to be getting back on track, full of disappointments. And so now he's in prison and looks like this is all I can see. This is all I've got to look forward to. And, but here comes these two guys, the butler and the baker. He's in, interpreted their dreams. And when you get out of here, remember me and, and get me out of this place. And they forget about him and he's just left stuck again. Just, you know, nobody's thinking about him. And now um, here he sits waiting just so close to the palace of Pharaoh. He, he, and he's, he's so close to getting out of there, he doesn't even realize it. But nobody thinks much about him. He's just another prisoner from Palestine. Nobody in Egypt thinks this is the guy that's going to be second in command. This is the guy that's going to save us from the famine. Nobody sees the greatness. They just, you know, they just throw his plate under the door and give him his food. And, you know, he's just uh, a Hebrew prisoner. That's all he is, to, and people overlook him until one day when God opens up uh, the, the door literally for him. Now you're going to step into who you are. He was overlooked. He was forgotten, just like we do. And, and people that looked at him saw nothing in him, but God saw something in him. God saw that this young man, and Joseph couldn't even see what was going on, but he was learning uh, to develop. He was learning to trust. He was becoming a leader. Uh, all this time that he was doing time, he was growing in his faith. Whether he realized it or not, he was growing in his trust because he never says he backed away from believing God. He just didn't understand why he was where he was. But the point we want to see here is that this is how God works sometimes. Those that people are overlooking, they're, they're, they're really not because... They're worthless. And sometimes God's just got them tucked away until it's time for them to be something. And so uh, somebody had to recognize, and that's what happened. All of a sudden, the, the baker or the butler realized, hmm, uh, I remember my faults today. He said, because there was a guy in prison that can interpret dreams. He don't look like they, they brought him out. He was dirty and dingy. They had to change his clothes, shave him, bring him up. But he came before the king and and suddenly, with just within no time at all, the length of time it, tell, it takes to tell and interpret the dream, he's like second in command in Egypt. He, nobody, he, the only one greater in Egypt than him was Pharaoh. He's over it all, and he's going to save his people. His brothers probably, you know, they figured he was really, uh, he, he was probably gone. Maybe he was dead. They, they will never see him again. They're not giving him another thought. They're not thinking about him. They're overlooking, but. One day they find themselves asking this man for food. And so you never know. You, you can never just look at somebody and say, hmm, nah, I can tell they don't. And you don't know what God can do when he gets a hold of them. Uh, 1 Samuel 2 and 8, one of my favorite scriptures, simply because it talks about where God gets royalty. He raises the poor out of the dust. He lifts the beggar from the dunghill and he sets them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. 
Where are you getting your team, Jesus? Out of the dust, out of the dunghill, out of the prison, out of the gutter, out of the prostitute's house. Where, where, are you, where are you building your army, Lord? I'm building it with all those people that are overlooked. And so I, I love that scripture because it, it, teach, it should teach us that, man, we've got to look where he looks. We've got to learn to see people the way Jesus sees people. And, and we've got to realize that, you know, that uh, just because we're uh, uncomfortable, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, we're uncomfortable with those that we're, that we're not like. I don't know how to approach them. We'll just approach them the way the Lord did, you know. Uh, just approach them with love. Just approach them with kindness. Just uh, have mercy on people and be tenderhearted toward people. And um, just, you know, you can't, you can't come at them with, with, with your surgical tools like, hey, I need to come work on you. <laughs> you you got to come at them like, like this. I just want to... Hey, I just want to tell you about the Lord. I'm just going to love you. And, and uh, I'm sorry that this world has overlooked you. But, but you know, there's people today that are, in, uh, that are great missionaries. They're great evangelists. They're pastoring churches. They're working in churches. And they're doing things. They're, they're winning souls to the kingdom. That They came out of gutters and, and, and uh, drug houses and bar stools and, and came out of all kind of lives of, of things that were going on. I, I remember years and years ago when it was real big, we did it at our other church, but the, the cardboard song, you remember the cardboard choir song? Everybody did it after POA did it anyway. I, in Pentecost, it seemed like after that, that BOTT, when we saw that, it was like the next week, everybody was posting videos with their cardboard signs. But it was so wonderful and so moving the first time we saw it because, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, during that song, they would, these people would come up and on one side it would tell, you know, it would say addicted to heroin or addicted to this or, you know, whatever, and then they would flip it over and now it would talk about what, the, it would be the testimony of where God had brought them from, what they were doing now. And there were people who said, you know, uh, that, you know, just... I mean, they were being brutally honest about it. Just, you know, I, I was promiscuous. I was, uh, you know, all these things and diagnosed with AIDS and all kinds of things like that. And, and now, you know, flip it over and boom, there it was, you know, how much what God had done for their life. And it was amazing uh, because you see how God can transform, just take a, a jumbled up pile of mess and make something out of it. It's just like the stuff that people overlook. And that's, that's what's so good about God. He, he, he goes to the things that, that people just want to throw away. You know, I've watched people on these shows where they, you know, we, I've talked about that in messages before about repurposing. And stuff that's just sitting out by the side of the road or in a, a junk pile. That somebody's that nobody wants this, but somebody will come along and hey, I'm in, in this they see something. You, you you're looking at it and you're like, it's just a pile of scrap, and they're like, oh no, wait, just give me a give me a day. And all of a sudden, man, you know, there's a time lapse video, and boom, they they've got you know they've built something incredible, and you're like, wow, you know, and, and then they now they got it listed, they're selling it for a thousand dollars, and you're like. That was my thousand dollars, because you couldn't see the value in it. You, you, all it was, you, it was in the, it was in the way. It was just junk. It was in the way, and 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 unfortunately, that's the way that uh, people get treated sometimes. 
they're, they're because we don't immediately see value in them, and so we, they're just in the way. But that's not the way Jesus saw people. He knew that everyone had potential. And we started out talking about the children, how that um, they were being brought to Jesus. And that's uh, in this lesson, since children are so overlooked all the time in this world, in our lives, a lot of times we don't realize it uh, maybe so much, but that how many other categories of people are much like children in the way they get overlooked? I mean, children, you know, you think about it. If they're in your house, they don't earn money. They're not wage earners. They're not the head of the household. They're little bitty. They're small stature. They have a whole lot they can do. Uh, you know, a lot of times you're tripping over them. I mean, it's just they don't understand like adults. They can't communicate effectively like adults. Sometimes they can't even tell you what they need, especially before they talk. You know, you're trying to you're guessing. They're they're screaming. You're like, what? I've taken every stitch of clothing off of you. I don't know what's left. You're trying to figure out why they're crying, you know, teething, and you know all kind of things can be going on, and you know, and it's like uh, th that's just who they are. That's children, and they're easily overlooked sometimes because, uh, look, you know, we've all heard uh, children should be seen and not heard. There's some people live by that rule, you know, and the kids just you stay out of sight. Don't talk unless you talk to, you know, they don't give their kids any uh, liberty or freedom to express themselves or anything like that. Uh, you may, sometimes we, we got a kid's table. When you have everybody over, the kids are in the, you know, kids eating in the living room at a little bitty coffee table because we don't want them in here with the adults. You know, adults are talking in here. You know, you, you need to go out and ask this adult stuff and go out and play, go find something to do. The grown-ups are talking and and sometimes, yeah, they don't need to be there to hear everything. But if we're not careful, we will convey to them, if we're never ever letting them know how vital they are, if all we're ever doing is shooing them away, then we make them feel like they're not important. We make them feel like, you know, they're overlooked. And so that's what was happening. Even the disciples made this mistake. They were When they brought the children to Jesus, they said, we just want our kids to be touched by the Lord, the disciples said, man, this is the Lord. Get them back. They're kids. Get them out of here. You know, move them. And rebuke the parents. Uh, you know, just grabbing kids. Hey, go on now. Go on now. Get, get, you know, this is not kid stuff. But the Lord was not happy with that. You know, when you read that, you think, you know, we try to do the exact opposite of here in church. We want our kids to worship. We try to teach them to worship and be involved. And, I mean, you got to train them. you got to teach them. But you don't uh, just say, hey, sit down, shut up. Be quiet. You, know, just, you, know, you, you can't just, shh, hush. You, you, no, you can't because you make them feel like nothing they say matters, that they don't have an opinion, that they, you, know, you, 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 you stop them from having imagination, from expressing their thoughts. How are they going to learn? You know, some parents don't, don't ask me no questions. Is it, are their questions not important? We, we want to make sure that we're not overlooking children because they are so easily overlooked. And um, we can be honest as adults with kids. You can say this. You can be honest. It doesn't mean you don't love your kids. That um, we can relate to the, the way the disciples felt because oftentimes we have adult projects to do. We're doing something at the house. We're working on something. It's, you know, here comes your kid, son or daughter, 
and they just want to get right in your face and right on you trying to work on something and it's important. It needs to get done. And, you know, we like, we just go now. Go sit down, watch a video, go play it. But why don't you just teach them what you're doing? Because, you know, we, well, you know, I love, I love them, but it's like they're an obstacle right now. They're, they're impeding my progress. But how will they learn anything if we don't teach them? And so even, and I know, I, believe me, I get it. You're working on something. You don't want to bust your knuckles. You're trying to concentrate on what you're doing. And, hey, why are you doing that? Why does that screw uh, go like that? Why is that, why is that flat right there? Why, what happens if you touch this? You know, you're just like, <laughs> I know. But it's just their mind. They, they want to know. They're interested in a lot of times, man, you're their mentor. You're their, they love you. Whatever you're doing, it. I want to be just like you. And so they really earnestly in their little hearts, they want to know what it is you're doing. And yeah, it is, uh, the, the truth is this, that training, and including children, is time-consuming, and it is a lot of work. It is. But the Bible says for us to train up a child in the way it should go. Uh, it's inconvenient sometimes, yes. Oh, you wouldn't say that. Yes, I would. It is inconvenient sometimes, but that... Sometimes we do what's inconvenient because what's inconvenient is often necessary. Uh, more times than not, it is necessary. So uh, it requires a great deal of patience. But see, this is where uh, children are learning to live in this world. It starts at your house. It starts at your home. It starts at the one-on-one -on -one time with mom and dad because if you just say, I'm going to let the school Teach them how to be. Oh, mercy. Uh, that's one thing you don't want to do. Oh, I'm just going to let daycare teach them how they should act. You know, school and daycare should maybe reinforce some things. But, man, we knew how to act when we got to school. You see today, and some of y'all that teach could testify, the kids go to school today, they don't know how to act. That's just a fact. Because they wouldn't talk respect for adults or especially teachers if Man, if you got a note, you come home and your that note would said it. The teacher said, "Man, they back talked me today, or you know, threw something at me today, or cussed me today." Whew. They'd be the, the truant officer be coming around, so they ain't been in school. So no, they've been in the hospital for because <laughs> I, I had to straighten them out. But you know, you just you just learned. I would not dare back talk a teacher like that or be ugly with my teachers like that just even if I didn't like them and, and there's some teachers I didn't like but you knew I'd get through it instead of what would happen otherwise but anyway what I'm just trying to say is that training starts at home and if they learn how to be right at home that's going to help them learn how to be right in the world how to treat people if they can be productive at home then they can be productive in society and learn how to do right by others and themselves. But the disciples were so focused on their own goals that they, they couldn't see the long-term picture. Jesus was trying to let them know, this is such as the kingdom of heaven. These, all these little kids uh, uh, that you're turning away or you're stifling or you're sitting them down, not letting them have anything to say, you know, that might be your next 
pastor. That might be your next missionary. That might be your next evangelist. That might be your next teacher. Uh, it might be a great prophet that's about, you, you don't know, but, but when you're just trying to shut them up all the time. and uh, Kids now, we, you know, you can stand up and clap a little bit, but church is big folk stuff. Church is everybody's stuff. They were, they were bringing children to him so Jesus could touch them. I don't want to wait till they're teenagers for them to get a touch. I want to bring them while they're little kids. Uh, well, uh, when they get a little old enough to understand. Oh, he said have faith as a child. And children don't always understand, but they have faith. Hey, children don't always, they can't compute it. It doesn't click, but they have faith. They believe, you know, that. Uh, that it, it can be better. They're very trusting and, and uh, loving and, and they just, you know, and you think, well, they're naive, but sometimes that's not really naive. It's just faith. They just have faith. They have faith in people. They have faith in their parents and they, and, uh, they see what's going on and they think, well, I can do that too. And they should. That's why it's not so, people act like it's impossible or so amazing, but we've watched children as young as three years old be filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, did they? Yeah, they really got it. Yeah, with tears pouring out of their eyes and streaming down their face, and just talking in tongues with they didn't even know anybody else was in the room. They just, but but they, that's because it was encouraged to come and, and pray, lift your hands and lift your voice and and uh, do that because that's what we do when we believe in Jesus. And you just tell them, say, when people believe in Jesus, they shall receive the Holy Ghost. And so that's what they know. And so they just start believing in Jesus. And that's how you know these little kids are talking in tongues and stuff. And, and, and we can't dismiss that experience with them. That's what's happening. They're, they're, and so sometimes we mistakenly see children as unimportant. Children uh, often, uh, this says here, they often internalize that message. If we do that, if we're not careful, we make them feel unimportant. And then they see themselves as unimportant, and we don't want them to see themselves as un unimportant. We have to care for kids. You know, some people put more care into a garden than they do their children. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, they, well, I've got me a garden. They, just, they brag on it. They, I mean, I went out there, I plowed that ground all day today. I spent all day with that, that piece of ground, plowed it up, got it ready, uh, sowed that seed and planted those stakes. And, man, I watered it. Now it's coming up, and I'm weeding it, and I'm getting rid of insects, and I'm protecting it. I'm putting up this to stop things from coming in and devouring it. I'm spending all this time on it. Man. You talk to your kid today? Well, I've been working in the garden. I get it. There's things you got to work. You got to do things. I understand that. But man, there's nothing more. But there's not been a greater asset or a resource given or entrusted to us than our children. That's a fact. Hey, that's a fact. And so we need to make sure that we are investing in these kids as much as we would anything else. You know, some people, it could be you could translate over, they take care of their car. You know, I'm always make, checking all the, the air and the tires, changing the oil, wiping it down, washing it, putting the cover on it, take, make sure it's took care of. What about your kid? Are you putting something into them? Are you talking to them? Are you teaching them? Are you covering them? Are you, you know, there's a lot of things. We don't want to overlook our kids. Well, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll watch me. They'll figure it out. Don't, 
Don't put that on them. Because the scripture doesn't say, hey, let your kids figure it out. It said train them. So if you're going to train them, you don't overlook them. And hey, let me tell you, sometimes if you've ever had a job where you had employees and you had to train somebody, you, at first glance, you might have thought, oh boy, I've got a <laughs> job here. This is, I can tell. But all of a sudden, that becomes your best employee. You train them, they picked it up like that. They just, oh, I got this. And all of a sudden, man, you can't do without them. Wow, I couldn't imagine them not being here. And I never, I never would have thought what they could have been. But see, that's the way the Lord does. He, he takes people that get overlooked and says, let me show you what I can do with them. And so, uh, you know, that we look at those things with our natural eyes, but God's not like us. He sees the value in people that we sometimes cannot see. You know, people could not even see Jesus for who he was. Hey, don't we know him? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? How's he got all this power? Who is this guy? We know him. They couldn't see. He was just overlooked. The Bible says there was no, uh, no, no beauty in him that we should desire him. There was nothing there that just made him stand out. He, was, he didn't come to make a reputation for himself. But so he just came looking like every other guy during that time period. You know, we don't know how tall he was, what his height was, anything like that. You know, nothing about him except that he was here and he was the Christ and that's who he was. He was the Lamb of God regardless of what they thought. But people couldn't see it. He came into his own. They knew him not. They just couldn't, they couldn't see who he was. But see, that's, you know, God, he's like one of these professional sporting scouts that he can look past all the hype and the fluff and find an athlete who really has talent. He may not come from the biggest school. That's why these now these you know these scouts they go to these high schools you ain't never heard of got 300 people in it or something you know and they, they get this all star running back or a quarter because they've they've heard through the grapevine they they find him you know well he, he's not you know he, he's not maybe uh, this that he, he ain't got all this hype he ain't got all this no but he can. He can do the job, and that's who we want, and that's what they want, so they, they, they do that. Or you think about like someone who looks at, you know, you might look at something, a piece of, you ever watched the antique show, antique road show, and somebody will bring something up, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a plate, or that's a, that's a cabinet, you know, whatever. And you're just like, yeah, it's just a cabinet. They got a bunch of them over in the, you know, antiques meal store over here in town or whatever. But this guy's looking at it and he's like, let me see. And he starts looking and examining and all of a sudden he's like, it's this kind of wood. It's made out of this. It was made in this time period. Is this a, and all of a sudden this thing's worth $50,000. You're like, what? And you're thinking, I'm sure I saw one of those on the side of the road the other day. But, and I just said, eh, you know, they're a dime a dozen, but no, they're not. You know, it may be for your purpose. I just want a cabinet to hold stuff. It ain't got to cost $50,000. But these people want to know what's, what's the value, what's the history. And this guy can look at it and look beyond what you just see and tell you where it came from, when it was made, how it was made, sometimes who made it. And the value just keeps going up, 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 up. And that's the way God is with us. Is See, he knows who made you. Hello. <laughs> you got a, a painting in your attic. Like, I don't know, that's pretty good painting. I don't know who it was. Who's? Michelangelo. Y'all know? Yeah. 
you know what you got? You don't even know. I don't, if you don't know who Michelangelo is, it don't mean nothing to you. I don't know. You know, but, but you've got something worth. Well, see, that's what people look at you and say, ah, but God's looking at you like, I know who made you. And, and you know what makes that painting valuable? It ain't because you got it. It's because who painted it. It's who made it, who created it, who was the, the instructor. And you know what makes you valuable? It, it ain't what you were born into. It, uh, it ain't how much you know up here. It's who made you that makes you valuable. Uh, listen, he's the potter, and, and he's molding you and shaping you, and you're thinking like, well, how come my life ain't turned into nothing yet? He's just got you on hold until it's time. And, and you may not see it yet, and anybody else may not see it yet, but there'll be a time where the Lord says, let's swing the door open, and I need you. Now, I need you. You, you thought you were just sitting there like, like not learning anything, but you were learning the whole time. You were growing the whole time. You were getting better and stronger the whole time. And, and it, it can be frustrating uh, wondering and, and wishing while others are, seem to be doing. But listen, your time's coming. And guess what? Even if you're the last kid picked for kickball, kick it with everything you got. Surprise them. Kick it over their head. <laughs> you know, be the best. Give it everything you got and see. Let people see what you can do. Let people see it. I had a cousin. Man, he was, I mean, he was this tall when he was in high school, a senior in high school, a little boy. I mean, of course, everybody was all, you know, but I would always, when we were playing pickup tournaments, I'd say, I'll, I'll take Kelly. And everybody's like, he's like 3'11", you know. What is I mean, he's a little taller than that. But, but he was fast as lightning. I'm telling about that country boy could run. And if they hit a ball in that outfit, he's going to catch it. You ain't hitting nothing over his head. Didn't get in the gap past him. And to be so little, he could sling that ball. Hit, hit a ball. Hey, all you got to do is hit it where there ain't and then get on base. And that's what he could do. And finally people started realizing. And he started getting, I couldn't get him to play no more because everybody else was calling him to come play that weekend. It just took people seeing what he could do. And listen, your opportunity will come where God will open the door. The Bible says our gifts will make room for us and God's going to open that door up and people are going to be able to see. But don't, don't try to just be like the Lord. He didn't go out trying to make a reputation for himself. Don't be trying to self-promote yourself. Don't be trying to uh, campaign for something and things like that. Just, just wait. God will let that door open up, that room will open up, and man, it'll be the perfect fit and it'll be exactly what uh, you wanted. It'll be exactly what the kingdom needed. But you remember, your value comes from who made you. And then there ain't a, a, a greater creator ever. Boy, there's some talented artists and sculptors, and I've seen some beautiful pieces of art. I, I actually love art museums. I, I'm not, uh, I am not artistic. I'm not musical. I, I ain't got none of that. But I enjoy it immensely. I love seeing, uh, uh, I could walk around in museums when we were in Israel just looking at things, just beautiful things that people created with their hands. It's amazing uh, what they can do. And you know why they can do that? Because of who created them. Well, I taught myself how to play. I'm going to tell you something. You can't teach yourself to play if you can't play. If God didn't give you that... <laughs> 
Because listen, I've tried. It don't work. You just didn't stick with it. Look, I can realize sometimes you, people's got to know, like, you got to know what you can do and what you can't do. And I tried. I tried to play a little bit of drums sometimes because I had two brothers that drum. I couldn't do it. I tried to play the guitar a little bit. I had a friend of mine that was a great guitar player. And man, I said, if anybody could teach me, he can. It wasn't there. And so if you ever say, well, I'm self-taught, it's only because of what God put in you. <laughs> Listen, you get a computer that ain't got no software in it, you can't do nothing with it. You can power it up and do everything, but you can't do a thing with it. There ain't nothing in it. But when you put all the stuff in it, now you can do what you want to on it. But it's got to have something in it. And God has put gifts and purpose in people to be able to do these things. You read about it when they're building the temple. They started finding people that it said that God had gave them those abilities to work with that metal or that stone or that wood or that cloth. I mean, he, he gave, the ability came from God, and they were just using what God gave them. And guess what? Until that temple was time to be built, they were sitting around trying to figure out what they was going to do. And God, all of a sudden, here comes Solomon saying, hey, I need you and you and you and you and you and you because guess what? God gave you that. And they just did it, they just did it and built that beautiful temple and was able to do that. Listen, you are something special because of who made you. That's where your value comes from. And <clears throat> we need to start seeing people the way the Lord did. The Lord, everybody was important to the Lord. The world overlooks people with the best heart and the greatest character. Society wants the noisy people, the talented people, the pushy people. But anybody that's in leadership, that's a boss or even in the church, a pastor, a teacher, or a parent looks past talent or personality and sees the value of someone who is sincere, someone who is committed, someone who's dedicated like God does. And so we need to see everybody important. He went out of his way while he was here to reach those that had been overlooked. One day he was with his disciples walking. He said, hey, I need to go through Samaria. Why? Why would you want to go through Samaria? I just got to go. So they went on about to do something else. And he went by himself, met a woman at the well. That society is overlooked. She was at the well by herself in the heat of the day so she could avoid people. And you know, she'd been married five times. The man she was with now was not her husband. Her life was not something that everybody cheered about. She probably wondered, how did I get here? But one day, even with all that went on in your life, the Lord came to offer her living water. The, the very Christ came and revealed himself to her. He didn't find somebody that was noble in that village. He, he went to the woman that nobody wanted anything to do with. And he said, I'm the Christ. That's me. That's who you're talking to. And uh, she left that water pot and ran and told. She became an evangelist for that town. She come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. Isn't, that's the Christ. And, and all these people came out and said, now we believe. And said, not just because you told us, because we've seen it for ourselves. Yeah, but she was the catalyst. She was the one that nobody thought would ever bring good news, but she did. So many people believed because of her. Uh, you know, Jesus, he, he wasn't worried about you know, tarnishing what people thought his reputation, or if you want to say that, while he was here, because uh, he went to eat with Zacchaeus. 
and people didn't like Zacchaeus. He's a you know a tax collector, and he you know they, they didn't like him. And why is Jesus eating with him? He said because he needs salvation. He's a child of Abraham, and he needs something. And salvation today has come to his house, and and Zacchaeus provided a place where Jesus could come and and be. And you know, most people they would treat you know the man with the legion of devils. They just tried to chain him up and keep him away. Let's just, just chain him up so he can't hurt nobody or hurt himself. But it did, nothing they did ever worked. This man lived in the tombs, and Jesus went to see him so he could deliver him. And he told him the same thing. He said, you know, he wanted to go with Jesus when he was leaving. He said, no. He said, you go back and start telling what great things the Lord has done for you because uh, he meant he was valuable. He was a, a, a testimony. He was a living, breathing testimony of God's deliverance and what God could do and, and that those kind of people are not just to be thrown away. They just simply need Jesus. They need the Lord. And they're in the worst shape that we can, you know, we can imagine, but you know, they need the Lord. There's a scripture, Psalm 146, 5 through 9. This is like what the Lord was living while he was here on earth. Says, happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help. His hope is in the Lord as God, which made heaven and earth and sea, all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. He opens the eyes of the blind. He raises them up that are bowed down. The Lord loves uh, the, the righteous. The Lord preserves the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. And you see, that's, that's just what he was doing. He was opening prison doors. He was healing people, delivering people, setting people free, giving hope to the hopeless. He was going to people that nobody wanted anything to do with. He would touch lepers. They couldn't even, they didn't want them, they had a whole place out of sight, out of mind. Get them away. We don't want to see them. Put them in a, a camp somewhere. Let them live in caves. Just keep them away from town. We don't want to see them. Uh, some of them, it was their family, but they couldn't even see them. Couldn't do, they, and so just eventually people forgot about them until they died where they were. But Jesus would put his hands upon them and say, I will, and they would be made whole and he would heal them. And, and that bothers us sometimes, because, you know, things like that. We don't know how to relate sometimes to people who are, are different. Sometimes people that are homeless or poor or physically challenged or something like that, it, it makes us uncomfortable because we just don't know how to approach it. But if we would just approach them through that filter of how would Jesus approach them? You know, you're trying to figure out, I don't, what, what do I say? What do I do? Just, man, just treat them like a person. You just treat them like a person. Well, yeah, but they've got this going on. Yeah, you know what? They do. And probably everybody else in the world treats them some way. How many people actually treat them like they see them? How many people treat them like they understand, hey, you're, you're created by the Lord as well? And uh, so I don't want to be overlooking those that are overlooked. I don't want to be part of it. I want to be looking for those that are overlooked because somewhere in there, that's, that's where you're going to find uh, that that. That, that pearl of great price. That's where you're going to find that treasure in a field. You, you're going to find it somewhere um, where nobody else is thinking to look. 
It's, it's going to be there. The people are going to be there. I, I've said this many times. There's somewhere, somebody sleeping under a bridge uh, tonight or shooting up drugs in a back alley that could preach circles around you and me. They just need somebody to tell them about Jesus. They just need, they just need somebody to, to find them. They need somebody to see them. They need somebody to love them like the Lord loves them and tell them that uh, Jesus can fix it. Jesus can make it better. So that's what we have to do. We have, we have to see people through the eyes of Jesus. You know, some scholars believe that uh, those fishermen, Peter and Andrew and those different ones, that they were only just in their late teens when he called them. You know, we think about them as being men, but they were, their dads were still working with them, so they were, they, most likely they were young men. Some scholars believe they were as young as teenagers when Jesus called them. Nobody thinks much of that, but the Lord did. So when he saw them, he said, you know, come on. Like I said before, he called them knowing what they could be. He didn't call them for, for what, they weren't fisher of men yet. He said, that's what I'll make you if you'll come and walk with me and watch me and learn from me. Jesus trained them. He discipled them. The, you know, discipleship, one, one guy said, is, it's just a, a, a long journey in the same direction. It's, 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 you just keep going in the same direction, learning and growing. Uh, you never stop growing in your discipleship to the Lord. You'll never be like, bing, I'm there. There's no room for anything else. I, won't, I can't learn anything else. Man, we can always learn something else. And, and so you think about Peter and these guys. They, I mean, they're fishermen. I don't know how smart or what else they knew, but they, you know, they, they just worked with their hands. They worked with what they knew. They, maybe they were just they were young, uncultured. They were inexperienced to do this kind of work that Jesus wanted them to do. But Jesus said, not when I get done with them. Who would have ever thought, uh, you think Peter's dad or parents or any of his friends would have thought, look at Peter standing up preaching on the day of Pentecost. He's just stood up in the middle of this feast and he's just preaching, man. Look at Peter go. Who would have thought it? Never would have seen that in Peter, but the Lord saw it. He knew what he could do. So Jesus didn't build, Jesus, uh, he didn't build his ministry by headhunting. He, he wasn't uh, scouting. He didn't go to Jerusalem and Rome looking for talent. He didn't go to big schools or theology places or synagogues or exclusive families. He, he just went, you know, calling tax, tax collectors and fishermen and people that just ordinary that nobody really cared much about and said, these will be the world changers right here. These will be the ones that change the world. I don't know if you'll come on to the music. So when he said, little children, come unto me, you know, he, he was letting his disciples know, man, you just can't see what's here right now. Don't, don't, you let them come to me and don't forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. And he said, I say unto you that if whosoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he cannot enter into it. And then Jesus, he took those children, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. So when he was ministering to these children, he was planting seeds and, and giving these young souls an opportunity to be a part of his eternal kingdom. And so that's the way we should minister to people. Minister to anyone 
and everyone. You're not picking a kickball team. You're not picking your baseball team. These are people that are trying to get into the kingdom, minister to anyone and everyone. Jesus didn't care about their race, their gender, uh, their class, their age. He loved everyone. So we must learn to love like Jesus loved, see like Jesus saw, so that we do not overlook other people because we have to remember that God didn't overlook us. Aren't you glad he didn't overlook? Well, look where we are. I've always said, stand with me this morning. I've always said that we may have something that they may not have, but we don't have something they can't have. And so, you know, it's for whosoever will, let him come. People come in different orders, so at different times. But they're coming because the invitation, the word, his word will not return void. And in his word, he said, whosoever will, let them come. Revelation said in the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. There's an invitation out there. It's, the eternal word has put it into the atmosphere. And so it's constantly going around. People don't even realize what it is. I just feel like I need to go to church. That's because that invitation just hit your soul. That's because that, that word will not return void. And, and you're going to get the invite. It's saying, come, come. So when they get here, we can't be looking at them like, well, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no we, 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 we need somebody uh, like this. We need somebody that knows this. We need somebody that can do this. You know, you'd be surprised when you start peeling away the layers. When, when the Lord washes them and cleanses them and fills them with His Spirit, the things that will get revealed that they can do. And what a wonderful, valuable part of the kingdom they become. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and pray together this morning. Precious Jesus, we love you and honor you today. So thankful, God, that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, that you have molded us and shaped us and are still working on us today. Lord, let us always remember that you didn't overlook us but that call for whosoever will, it came to us as well. Lord, that we were sometimes far off, but now we've been made nigh by your precious blood. So Lord, let us love as you love. Let us see people as you see them. Realize that we were all created by you. That we were all created by you. Let us help bring your children home. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So thankful for the Lord this morning. Let's find a place to pray before the next service and just believe God to do some great things. Amen.